dark out. You don't know how long you've been unconscious. Your head hurts from the blow you took. You try and stand, and every muscle in your body screams in protest, and you stumble back down to the cold ground. You try one more time, and this time make it to your feet, surveying the wreckage around you. The ship is dashed against the rocks, strewn and splintered into nothing. You look around for any supplies you might use to survive, but you only find. D20 dudes! Hi, my name's Dylan. My name is Paul, and you just heard the intro to the Shipwrecked mod in Skyrim uh, for the PC. Now, I don't know if they've updated it for the Perfect Edition, uh, but I do know in vanilla it's pretty great. <laughs> perfect Edition. Like, I, I almost expect Skyrim to actually come out with that. I mean, they've got, about, they've got about 30 more consoles they're going to release it on before they let you forget about that game. <laughs> Welcome to Skyrim SNES. Hey, remember, well, if you could put Doom on a toaster... I mean, why not? I'm surprised they haven't found a way to put Doom on a smart fridge, if I'm completely honest about it. I'm sure they have. Oh, I'm sure they have. I mean, they put it on a Ferrari, they put it on a calculator, they put it on one of those scan devices you use at grocery stores. Doom is a fascinating thing. Doom will run on anything. Nope, don't have a joke. Too tired. <laughs> Check out uh, my paper dinner plate. I got Doom to run on it. <laughs> So this week, pork chop. That's an awesome pork chop. This week, we're going to talk about running your first session. Yeah, you were going to say run in your mouth, and I was like, yeah, we're going to break those teeth. We're going to show them what's up. You find out some boy's been dissing your fly girl. Just give him one of these. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about running your first session. <laughs> oh, it's so oh, good it's to be right. back, everybody! It's Paul. Oh, it's Paolo me. God, it feels so good to be back in this silly little dank pit they keep me in. <laughs> uh, and if I do a good boy, I get to eat pork chop bones. Uh, <laughs> the ones they ran just, Doom on. The ones they ran Doom on. <laughs> Right. And it's just it's just me in a build engine trying to charge the pork chop, trying to eat it. I'm just starving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. we have fun here. We do have fun here. Oh, it's we're getting the boys back. Get the boys back together. It's a good the day. boys are back in the computer. Simon, please let go of my finger. Please. Oh, wait. Oh, let him go. All right. Hey, I have a question. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to running the boys on the computer, h- how much how much dedicated wham does it take to one boys on sofa? <laughs> um, dedicated wham. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, the joys. Oh the my joys. god, I want to I want to meet Super Kai sixty four so bad. <laughs> the joys of the boys. Okay, we're four minutes into this. Let's. <laughs> Let's get on with the episode. Dylan, you had a great intro and I stole your thunder. Uh, <laughs> go for it. Running your first session uh, can't be spooky like Doom. And it can be spooky because even if you've, run, you've read the book of whatever system you're playing backwards and forwards and backwards again and then forwards another time for good measure... It's difficult to know 
how much you are actually prepared until you're running a session. And that can be true forever. It Sometimes it, you just got that group. It doesn't matter how often you prepared. You're just going to be underprepared because that's just how things are. But you, you get there. That's a point you get to where you understand that's going to be the case and you kind of prep for that as well. But your first session can be so spooked because you just don't know what to expect. Even if you have a perfect plan for a perfect session in your brain, you really have no idea what to expect. And you may think you know what to expect. Don't expect it because you have no idea what to expect. That's, that's how you can expect it because you already expect to have no expectations. Like It's, it's going to be bananas. I remember the very first session of D&D I ever ran. Okay, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. I'm going to also mention the fact that Doom is not scary. You're talking about Doom 64. Originally, it should have been Annihilation. I'll get into that on another podcast. But I am going to bring this up later because it's going to develop an excellent point that I want to contribute to this. But it's only for later. Dylan, I want you to give me a nice, good, long tale about this first session. There's not a nice, good, long tale to tell, Paul. Really not. It it was... uh, Nice, nice... Well, okay, so bad short slow <laughs> it wasn't i i guess i shouldn't say the one i ran i kind of like cajoled zach into playing D with me and uh we're, i was like all right we're gonna play D, and he's like can i be the dungeon master and i was like all right sure and no we're like 14 15 at the time and we're both f- stupid yeah yeah experimental two boys alone <laughs> so I, I got like this um, starter set for 5e, or not 5e, for 3.5. God, if 5e had been out during my high school years, things would have been a lot different. Um, so you got like this would little they? starter thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I wouldn't be anywhere near as good at math. Alternate timeline where Dylan's got a Ferrari and a babe in each arm. It's like, Thanks, Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Uh, Hold on, the um, president's on the line. He has a question about Mage Hand. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, end it there. That's the joke. That's the podcast, people. Oh, man. Um, So Zach decides he wants to be Dungeon Master, and he has... We don't even have the rulebook for 3.5. We just have, like, this starter module thing that kind of explains the rules, but not really. And it's just got some miniatures you can play with in the beginning. And uh, I ended up going into the back of about a 50-foot-long dungeon and getting, like, my face beat in by trolls and goblins about every 10 feet because I had a character who was just borderline useless. And uh, he just decided that I had the handicap of being magically able to teleport to the beginning of this one dungeon whenever I want to so I can bang the magical rat of destiny. And uh, get all my HP back whenever I wanted to. But you had to bang the magical rat of destiny. Yeah, but I had to bang the magical rat of destiny. It's true. It's a it's a real it's a real catch twenty two there. That's a real Zach thing too. It That's is like a real the Zach exact kind of thing that you expect from Zach every time. He's starting a paladin soon, and my hope is that his mission is to slay He's, the magical rat of destiny. He started that paladin, and he did an amazing job at being a paladin. Good. 
for his first session, he bought a tower shield and just stood in the way of the enemies. Like, barely even made an effort to attack. Just stood there being impossible to get around. Just obnoxious. That was Zach's role, and he played it very well. He was very... He was a real paladin. A real paladin thing to do. So, that was my first session. Don't let that be your first session. Play a little more than that. Play a little more than the magical route of destiny that your players have sex with to regain their health. Um, Especially for games like D&D, like... I honestly, if it is your very first session, am going to recommend uh, getting a like an adventure path module, especially with three point five or or even like five e. It's like dope, dope, impossible to just dive into that stuff lately. But they've made it so easy, just crazy easy to get into five e now because there is just a free starter module online that teaches you how to play the game step by step from level one, and it's rad. It's a rad thing that they're doing. They're really trying to make it accessible to people, and I like that. I like that about systems, when they do their best to make it accessible to new players. And even then, if it's your first session, read the entire module first. Read the whole thing. It's so much more important than you could ever, ever hope to understand until you've not read the whole module first, and your players breeze past an encounter you expected them to take a long time doing, and all of a sudden you're not prepared and you have to read everything super fast as you go, that is so hard. It's so difficult to do that. Trust me, I've I've tried to run the Curse of Strahd three times now, and it never goes as planned. It doesn't matter what you plan for these modules. They're going to find some way to make it hard on you, just for the sake of it. It'd be like that, though. It does. it do. And like that, it'd be. I mean, it is. It is a very imposing sort of situation. I think it really always comes down to the brooch. I think. I think one big thing is the intimidation factor. It's like anything. Like running your first session is no different than your first day at the gym, and this is your initial step into that good old New Year's rehab thing that everybody says they're going to do. And about 5% actually succeed in doing. Um, of getting back out there and getting that fitness going. It's so similar to learning to ride the bicycle. It's so similar to any task that requires consistent effort or growth. You'll learn things that you'll never forget. But there's always new approaches to it that you never quite know which one's quote-unquote the right one for you. Versus just the way you want to do it. That intimidation factor can be so thick. In fact... Between the player's handbook, the monster manual, and if you're going to run a module, you're talking hundreds of pages thick of intimidation. And we're talking so, thick with two C's, man. Two oh, C's. Oh, that is... No, that's a different kind of intimidation when I see that kind of thick. Actually, you know what? No, they both get me very excited. <laughs> uh, so, you should. Yeah. I know you better than that, Paul. Oh, uh... So, I think one big thing, uh, one thick thing that <laughs> that it comes down to is, like, I, I think a natural enemy of starting your own first campaign is, um, what, what would be the best way to say it? I think, I think a number one enemy is, uh, do I have what I need? It's always that you want to you wanna bring excuses back down to the equipment, 
you're going to want to really say, well, I need to get this book, I need to get that book. Oh, I need the sheets. Oh, I need the paperwork. Hey, we can get these apps. Oh, should we do this thing online? It's so easy to lose control and just be so blown out by that, just that first drink from the water hose that it's more like drinking from a fire hose if you let it be. Um, but in truth, you know, for what it's worth, uh, my first campaign that I ever DM'd cost me $2 on the internet. Uh, just to get some simple PDFs on a module that I wanted to run. Uh, everything else was freely accessible from one Reddit thread or another. Um, if you have a question about D&D or Pathfinder of any edition, somebody on the internet has answered it 800 times on 800 forums. So On one Tuesday. like On gosh. one Tuesday, yeah. It's always the one guy. I swear to God, 10% of the internet makes up 90% of its posting. Um, but if you put yourself out there and just do some of that cursory legwork, the results you have are more than sustainable to get you out there. And really, that's the initial thing. That's my recommendation. Don't think, oh, we'll start next week. We need to get the paper together. Don't think, oh, well, let me order these things online. Look at that. If you can get even the rudimentary tools available that you need, I mean, you don't even have to know how all the dice rolls work. You know what? It's your first lesson. It's not going to be your favorite. It's just not. The first one is going to be special to you. It's going to be charming, but it's almost never your favorite because it's just about getting out there and getting messy and having fun. And my my biggest push for your first session is just do it. Like, if you can get everybody together on a Tuesday, get everybody together on a Tuesday. Hang it, Make a framework of a dungeon that you can just throw some characters into. Doesn't have to be clean. Doesn't have to be funny. Because so many of the best things about it are going to come naturally to you with time and experience and then through this, the general randomness and fun of role-playing. Um, but all of those things are only going to happen once you actually play the game. Yeah. So, so my like, big push that first session, just get what you need play the game. And that randomness is something that's going to stick in so hard. Like, we had a cleric just step outside for lunch, and they expected they were going to go to a tavern to eat lunch, and the paladin just watched him, like, kneel down and start eating handfuls of dirt. And he just really did not expect him to mean, like, that when he said going out for lunch. Outside? It is outside. <laughs> he didn't lie about anything. He, he didn't. But he, they were like, all right, cool, let's go to the tavern. And he's just like, nope, just kneeled down and ate a big old fistful of dirt. Was there a principal reason for that, or he just wanted to eat dirt? <laughs> he had purified food and drink. The dirt was safe to eat, I promise. I don't know that it was very nutritious, though. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I don't, know really what kind of, I don't know what kind of bulk compound of nutrition <laughs> you're going to get from that clay and mud and boot print. Oh, it was so funny. Um, and yeah, even though it is intimidating, really just like getting into it is going to like, it's like being pushed into the deep end of the swimming pool. Like it, you know, oh, it, oh, the water's cold to dip your toe. No, don't do it. Just dive right on in and you're going to have a great time and you're going to learn something. You're going to learn a lot of some things, especially in your first session. And you never stop learning something. as a DM. You're going to learn something literally every single session you run. There's going to be a rule that you misinterpreted. There's going to be something that you glossed over in the book, even if you read it all the way through. You will learn something every single session. And that's part of what makes it fun when you're the kind of dedicated DM that players want to be under. Got a lot of first-hand experience with that playing Wrath and Glory over the past couple months. 
I read that book front to back and I had a blast doing it. And then time came to actually play it and I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> had no idea how to play this game. I just spent several hours reading the book for. But it's a rad time. Wrath and Glory, actually, I would say uh, is, an, is an amazing recommendation for a first RPG. Oh, oh is it? it? I mean, yeah, I talked about it. Um, I think, yeah, me and Bartlett talked about it in one episode. It's just a fun time. Like, the system is really simple, uh, but has a lot of room for complexity. And that the only real, real issue with Wrath and Glory is that there just isn't enough content. Well, that might be true. But I want to reel it back in, and I kind of want to take it. Take it like this. Dylan, what would you say, if we can bring it to three things, we'll expand it to five if we need to. What are the three essentials of running that first campaign? Um, what do you need? The first thing you need is supplies. And it, like what? That can be uh, anywhere, like anything from a laptop that you've got your things on to having books, or it could be as simple as having a single PDF of a player's handbook and some pencils and paper. You don't really even need character sheets because you can write your own character sheets out if you really feel like it, but you got to have what you feel like you need. And that's going to be pencils, paper, at the bare minimum. You'll want to have those two things because it is going to be a lot easier whenever you've got, you know... Or if you're playing online, if you are using you know, roll 20 or anything else. I think the essential is you have to have the critical information. You have to be able to track the character sheets. You have to be able to... And you got to be able to roll them dice. Yeah, to roll the dice, to know what's involved in the encounter or what's going on in general for the checks. You just need the critical information in an accessible format. The second thing you need for session one, and this is um, deaths important in a way that so many people seem to underestimate is a solid idea of what you want to accomplish with it. And that's not even just a session one thing. That's a constant thing as a DM. Have just an idea, at least a framework, even if you're not planning everything out step by step. Just have a concrete idea of what you are attempting to accomplish in a given session. Maybe you won't accomplish it. Maybe your players go in a different direction. But... Even if your players do tend to, like, you know, go a little off the rails, as long as you know what you're trying to get done by the end of the session, you're going to have an easier time kind of reining the players in and steering them towards accomplishing that goal, even if they do it in a different way than you intended them to. I would like to put my foot in real quick and recommend four tutorials on that week one session. Never hurts to be A, in a dungeon, or B, hey, you're at a tavern. Hey, you heard a rumor. Hey, go to a dungeon or a forest or a bandit camp. Keep it straight. Uh, You don't have to, obviously, but session one, session zero even, is what I kind of like to think of it as. Don't even think of it as session one. Think of it as the opportunity to just rub out some kinks in one or two sessions. I'll rub out some kinks for you, baby. Uh, I said it, and I heard it when I said it, (laughs) and then I was like, please, nobody, and it was an idiot. (laughs) Oh, you had to know. I did, but I couldn't take it back. <laughs> you can never I couldn't take it run back. out my kink. <laughs> <laughs> and the third thing you're going to need, especially for session one, and it's the most vital and important thing that you're ever going to need, and that is underwear. a surplus of time and underwear. 
And you're gonna have think, players. It would help to have players. Yeah, but that's kind of a given, I think. You're really not playing D&D if you don't got players. I have met people that had the most fun playing D&D when they were playing by themselves, and other people at the table were just an excuse for them to play their own campaign with their own characters. I don't, you don't need other people there just to, like, I don't know, like, write a novel or caress yourself while eating Doritos. Like, if you if you got other players involved, you're playing D&D. If you don't, you're reading Lord of the Rings in the dark. I don't, I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, time having, having just an excess of time for session one is going to make it so much better because there's going to be those moments where it's where you do something and you know the like one player doesn't know how the role works or one player is pretty sure that you've done it wrong and you end up flipping through the book and reading the rule and rereading the rule and googling stuff and having like just an entire day to just fuddle around and do that and learn a whole bunch and feel it out, especially for session one is just so radically important because especially whenever you are fuddling around in a system and feeling it out and trying to learn things and you're, you know, eating the chips and you're chatting with your friends and you're having a good time because it's the first time you've ever played D and D you really don't want that to be cut short. You want to make it a memory. You want to have a great time with it and you want to make it, a good solid memory of a good time for everyone involved. So they'll also want to keep coming back and doing this with you. And going forward, uh, that first session as a DM as uh, don't, I'm not saying don't not want to create those memories. Absolutely want to create those memories, but, but tame your expectations would be something just I would like to tag on just at the end of it. Because here's the big thing about Dungeons & Dragons. Pathfinder, Starfinder, all of it. Uh, here's, a, here's a little hint of truth about it. It's not always easy to get those campaigns together. It's not always easy to get those groups together. It's always easy to maintain them. Uh, you hear about people who have played one campaign for like five years, and that's great for them and their consistency. But you hear tons of stories, and it's been in our personal experience. Um, you know, you're going to start 16 and finish maybe two of them. Um, it, it's just difficult. Situations change, time changes, and if you're younger and you are really kicking off on your first one as a DM, you know, it's not likely it's going to necessarily finish out or anything else like that. Um, but my big thing is going into it, um, I, I would really hope that you would just want to You'll carry that excitement in, absolutely, and bring those ideas forward. But it doesn't need to be everything at once in the first campaign. It doesn't need to be uh, this fully fleshed out mega story and all of these other things. It doesn't need to be events that you imagine happening that you somewhat coerce a party into trying to get done. I, I, my big thing, my healthiest mindset, I would say, is go in today looking to learn and have a pleasant time with people whose company you enjoy. And honestly, if you just do that, I think the result of that first try is going to be more positive than it ever could be in other circumstances. So yeah. keeping keeping a, a simple, clean perspective, yeah, really helpful. Again, you're going to be learning something every session, especially in the beginning. You're going to be putting together the pieces of those puzzles where even if you've read the rule a dozen times before you start playing, it's not really going to click until you start doing it. 
Um, and honestly, if session one doesn't go that great, if you had this big story planned and it just kind of doesn't pan out, don't be afraid to scrap it and try something new. Just do something different until you figure out what really works for you guys. It may not even be the system you started with. Maybe you really, really, really thought Pathfinder was going to be the thing that you wanted to do, and the math just comes out a little bit too complicated for some of your members to really be invested in it, so you switch over to 5e where things are a little bit more simplified. That's fine. Absolutely fine to do. Or even Tenra, where there's like no math at all. Just role-playing, because Tenra is the greatest system ever made. Fight me. Fight me! <laughs> I practically uh, give sermons about Senra at this point. That's true. That's true. One of my favorite things about, uh, oh my goodness. One of my favorite things about my first campaign is I learned really quick what kind of player I was going to be. Uh, so one, one big thing I would recommend for your first campaign uh, is not just uh, to limit your expectations for what you want to see, but do do account for the proclivities of those that you have invited into your session that day. Uh, do be prepared if you if you just know deep in your heart that a certain somebody who always likes to be a bit of a troublemaker is probably going to be a precocious little scamp and immediately start bar fights. <laughs> just just anticipate yeah. that. There, just anticipate it. There's always one. Actually, always. there's always like ten. <laughs> and they all fall in line immediately after the first one. And it all just goes from there. Uh, because pretty soon they're going to learn too. That That's one big thing is unless they're veterans and they're kind of helping you along, which is great if that's the case. They can give you so much to work with. And they'll, they'll lead you along very accordingly uh, in, in a very healthy and supportive way if they're the right kind of veterans. But likely it's, it's a lot of newer people. And uh, if that's the case... Man, oh man, there's, they're going to learn real quick how uh, dice rolls actually work. And uh, they're going to try and look cool, and then they're going to end with their head through a table. And, and you, don't have to, you don't have to take Never that away. You can let cool. them learn that. <laughs> yeah, don't try to look cool. Don't do it. Just don't Never. even. Always look. fails. If you were cool, you weren't going to be here listening to this podcast learning about playing D&D, okay? <laughs> you Listen, need, to, you need to temper your expectations well in advance. No girls allowed. Not in Fort Kick-Ass. <laughs> uh, oh, goodness. But in all seriousness, do, uh, if, if it's if it's uh, first for your players to do take the time to either A, talk to them about their expectations, or just kind of like, you know, everybody can chip into it. We're all learning together. It's a fun, healthy environment. And it always helps when people have an idea of what's going on, at least to the best of their abilities. People just like that. And Bro, uh, If you have a toxic player, don't be afraid to tell them that they are and get rid of them if need be. God, that's a lot on your first session. But but don't be afraid to tell people, hey. Yeah, yeah if listen. somebody is going to be like a huge problem and you know it like right from the get-go, don't poison your experience with the game just by keeping them involved. Please don't. Okay, well, or you could also take a second and just say, Hey, uh, Jim, listen, I'm the DM, and I know I'm not perfect at it, and we're all learning here, but I just need you to be a little more patient, kind of chill out on this. I don't think we all need to be literally trying to kill our own party members five seconds into this. Uh, 
let's 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 breathe and have a good time. Yeah, we've always touted that communication is key, but uh, Dylan has are, Dylan yeah. has rage. <laughs> I do have rage, and there are there are just some people who are not willing to cooperate. They have their vision of what they want their character to be, and if they don't get it, they're gonna throw a fit. Like uh, like a certain Billy I know who refused to have any character that would not, quote, rock out with his cock out, unquote. Dylan, that's inappropriate. It know is inappropriate. I, I know my audience, but the fact of the matter is he would just not stop saying that phrase, would not stop trying to just shove it in everyone's faces anytime we let him be involved. So we just said, you can't be involved anymore. You're ruining this. It's not fun because of you, Billy. So to bring back Doom. Dude, that soundtrack? Oh my god. Play it at my funeral so I can fight hard in hell. All filler, no filler. Oh my god. Doom is such a pure, proven experience. And Doom 2, even, even bigger, even better. Oh my god, it's so meaty. Oh, they're so good. They're so good, Dylan. Doom 1 and Doom 2 are just so fabulous. Have you ever had a shotgun? Yes. The likes of... No. <laughs> no, Dylan. You haven't, because you haven't had a super shotgun. I have. You know why? No. No, you haven't, Dylan. Because have. it's better. Because, because it's super, Dylan. Be- I've played Doom and Did Doom 2. Did you finish Doom 2? Heck no, I... Did you play it on ultraviolence? No, that's Have you stupid. used that big, meaty metal rod of fire and lightning to blow an archvile's face off for the 30th time? I love it. <laughs> uh, but I, I love Doom 1 and I love Doom 2. Uh, but you know what's interesting about those? Because I did want to bring this up. Doom 64, uh, again... It was originally Annihilation. Should have been kept like that because when people heard Doom 64, they assumed that it was a port of the original Doom to the Nintendo 64, and then it didn't sell very well. But it should have because it was great. Uh, Doom Annihilation is fabulous, but Doom 64 uh, versus Doom 1 and Doom 2, because it was limited to a cartridge, played entirely, completely differently than the Dooms before it. It had a smaller monster count. It had a very intense atmosphere, very oppressive lighting and music. Um, so these things were to account for the feel of more intense and buffed up monsters, which also were there to account for the lack of monsters. Um, really, essentially, Doom 64 was the first horror experience in Doom. Uh, before that, I-, I wouldn't really have ever counted it as a, as a horror game, despite the environment around it. it. It never wanted it to be scary. It just wanted it to be intense. I mean, that rock and guitar is there for a reason. Like, it's great. Um, that rock and midi guitar. Oh, it's so great, Dylan. It's so, it's so powerful. I love it. It, it brings up such intense emotions to me. You, you say that, but you play that music and I feel like I could bench press trucks. Like I feel like could. you could put, I feel like you could put a refrigerator on each end of a bar, and I could belt thirty of them. Uh, like I just, I feel so good when I hear that music. That's Doom sixty four strips that away and uh, really brings down the experience. My big thing, well, not brings down, but like it rearranges what the experience is. So 
it was funny when we were talking about it at the beginning because it brought up a really good point, which is uh, just like video games are forced to rearrange what their expectations and uh, essentials are by the equipment they have at the time they have it and need it, for your first session, it's very likely you're going to find just before or partway through that experience, you do not have what you need. Maybe there's particular information about monsters that you can't access for whatever reason. Uh, maybe you're having trouble accessing character sheets or keeping consistent communication between people. Maybe you're having, you know, just a plethora of problems. Uh, so if it's your first session, don't panic. Don't let it get to you. If you need to take a step back and sort of reset or rearrange what your intentions are, or even if you need to call it a cold quit, re-examine and rebuild and restart, if it's early enough in the process and you have the time and the energy to do that, don't don't think of that as a loss. Don't be afraid to do that. Because, like we said, it is a learning experience, but we it's hard to it's hard to understate just how intense of a learning experience this is gonna be. Like you're gonna learn thirty new things in five minutes. You're gonna feel like you learned everything you could start it, and then immediately feel like you learn nothing. That intimidation that's factor the is... feeling, though. It is that feeling. This is what I meant by that intimidation factor. You are going to do the best you can, and you are still going to blow it, almost guaranteed, 16 times, 10 minutes into the session. And that is great. That is the whole point, and that's fine, and it's perfect. You had a thing set up for five people that day, and three of them canceled, and it's just you and your two buds, that's fine. If you need to rearrange what you had for that day and take 10 or 20 minutes, that's fine. Just make sure you get the session out there and have a good time. Don't push it off. Don't feel intimidated. Just just do what you can with what you have where you are. That That's what Doom taught me. All I've got is my plasma gun. You just put your heart in that plasma gun, man. You can bring down that cockademon, I promise. And then shoot your heart bodily at them as a projectile. That's the way to victory. No, that's Doom 3. That's not the way to victory. Doom 3 was more gross than spooky. I disagree, but it is also the single worst shotgun in the history of Doom by a thousand. So, two so thumbs down. The Soul Cube was fun, though. Huh? The Soul Cube was fun. The Soul Cube was fun. I think that's the exact thing we were just referencing, where you throw it at people and it eats them for health. Yeah, from the inside. It's rad. It's pretty, pretty neat. I do. I like Doom 3. I do. That chainsaw actually is one of the best chainsaws in the history of Doom. So is that plasma gun. People don't talk about that. The BFG. Uh, the BFG 9000 is, like, not the best in that game. It's anyway. super cool. Alright. Yeah. Off topic. Um, yeah. So I guess the last thing I want to say is, if at all possible, um, do you have somebody who's experienced in the system that you want to run help you out? And, like, you know, that's sometimes a lot easier said than done. I understand that all too well. Sometimes you're going to have to be the one who gains that experience real quick. But if you can, uh, a lot of that stuff's become so much easier to do in recent times with, like, the way the internet has been really just evolving into such a way that you have these vast communities that, you know, back when I first started in high school, just didn't exist. Um, 
But now, like, if I really have these questions and I'm, like, sincerely confused, like, I can go onto Reddit or Roll20 and I can find entire threads of people who are just as confused as I am trying to find answers. And chances are somebody's already answered that question, like you said earlier, Paul. And, uh, you know, you can even find people who are experienced with the systems, you know, like, have a chat with them, you know, maybe run, like, a little introductory session with, a, like, a rando, but a rando who's been playing the game for 20 years and already knows what to do. Honestly, you could probably just sit there by yourself for an hour and just run a fake combat scenario against two character sheets you made in advance just to see how you could get around things and try them out. It's absolutely doable. I've done it. I've absolutely done it because I needed to know if there were ways I was going to blow my encounters open or if there were ways that they were going to respond to things that I just needed to be able to have a legitimate answer for. And as it turns out, there were still 30 things they did that I never could have accounted for. But... At least making those efforts. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. But always making those efforts in advance definitely supported my overall success in the end. And and honestly, it got to the point where I became more encouraging of it. Like, I'm very lenient. If you give me a good enough reason for something, and I can technically bend on that language, I'm not, like, actually breaking the functionality of a spell or a situation. I'm I'm actually more lenient than it might sound like I am in other recordings. Using the Uh, animate object spell on your entire party who's been uh, turned into statues by Medusa. Genius move, my friends. But DM might not think of that. You gotta think of that. Watching your friend make him and his, like, 30-ton golem man uh, walk on the ceiling and avoid your entire mud geyser (laughs) thing is, like... I 100% was so happy that happened. I know it seems sort of silly in retrospect because the other one could have been so intense, but just having the answer is also so fun and special. I think it's rewarding to have characters like that because that's the reason you have them is to avoid those things. You you hear stories about like people wanting to be sticklers or force a certain situation or encounter so they come up with reasons that that can't work. Don't do that. Let it let it play. If it can fly, let it. Just just let it go. It's a. It, you'd be surprised how much fun you can have when you just Absolutely. let it be. I love. Also, when you they just disintegrate a vampire. God, I don't know how you managed to clutch that out. That was great. Because disintegrate oh, a rad spell. Well, I also know why. Because disadvantage. Because <laughs> he mad resisted that first one, and that second one was like the hardest failure I've seen in five years. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're coming up on almost forty minutes now, so. It is time to roll the sacred die. Roll that die! It's a... Locations as characters, locations as characters. It's... I wish. I've been trying to roll that one for a while, but it's actually uh, the Book of the Damned from Pathfinder. Actually, my favorite Pathfinder book. Well, okay. Come back next week when we read the Necronomicon, summon a bunch of deadites, and Ash Williams shows up with a chainsaw arm. It's going to be sick. It's going to be rad. I actually... I I really can't understand this. That's my favorite Pathfinder book. Because there's so much cool stuff in it. Like, oh my god, dude. You're going to see me fanboy over this. I'm fanning out. I'm actually really excited. (laughs) I can hear it. Are you going to rub out a kink? I'm going to have to rub out a lot of kinks from reading that book. (laughs) All right. 
Well, everyone, have this wonderfully fun uh, time listening to our episodes. We always appreciate your company. Uh, please do remember that this is no longer a safe for work podcast. <laughs> and from this point in the future, it will not be. I think it's going to be a lot more fun for everybody. We're going to have to rub out a lot of kinks. Yeah, we are. Robert? Robert, <laughs> take out your headphones right now. <laughs> Protect your Although little I, baby ears. I did hear my 11-year-old brother drop an F-bomb in like just the hardest way I possibly could. Like He, he was into it. Really? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he was spooky. Like, he didn't just say it. No, he said it with his chest. Like he was, he was full throated. <laughs> he did hard R. <laughs> it was, it was something. Anyways, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we have a Twitter, uh, Detroit Dudes on Twitter. Find us uh, Detroit Dudes on Facebook because we love you and want you to talk to us. You haven't in a while. We miss you. How's the new boyfriend? Does he treat you good like we did? <laughs> we, we'll treat you better if you'll come back. Just come back. Just come back. <laughs> Thank you, Veronica. We love you. Veronica. Veronica. Jeremy. Uh, bye. Bye. bye.